your Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. And today, kind of a big day, okay? The players and management talked about a collective bargaining agreement today. Spoiler alert, we don't have a new deal, but they talked, and that's big. So let's talk about what was in the offer that the players made. And if it were, it was not accepted, but if it had been accepted, what would that mean for the players? And is there a better way to do the CBA than what is being proposed? So we all know last week they had a seven minute meeting where management presented players with a new CBA. Today's meeting we were told actually is measured in hours, not minutes. So that's improvement. They're talking. There's another meeting scheduled for Tuesday. So that's good because they're meeting again and this is kind of the bare minimum, but they're doing it and that's what's important. So in the whole negotiation, there's been three major areas with which the players wanted change and the owners have been pretty adamant that they were not going to address. So one of them was revenue sharing alterations and the players have dropped their requests for revenue sharing changes. And I understand why they did this because Management, you know, the owners already struggle to figure out revenue sharing amongst themselves, bringing in another party who has requests for how revenue sharing should be conducted is just not going to work. It's it's not going to happen. And I, I, I understand that. And I can see why the players said we're going to get off of that and just leave that alone. Uh, the, the second thing was the amount of service time before a player reaches free agency. Um, that's been six years. And the original proposal that the the players had made it an age-based system where it was, if you were 29 and a half years old by the end of the season, the date they give for the end of the season, uh, then you could be a free agent at five years of service time. Um, the players dropped that. That was the second big rail was how soon until free agency. The players have dropped that. The third one is time until arbitration. And that is three years as of now. Service time begins when you're called up to the major leagues. That accrues once you've accrued three years of service time at the end of a season, uh, you would be eligible for arbitration going into the next year. And that's why you saw so many situations like the Chris Bryant situation where he was ready to play out of spring training, but he stayed in the minor leagues for about a month and a half. So that when he came up, if he played every day for the rest of the season, which I think he did, uh, he would not have enough service time for that to count as a full season. So when the next year started, at the end of that season, he would have accrued one year of service time, but you had him for almost two full seasons. So the Players Association has maintained for years uh, that younger players need a quicker path to get paid closer to the market rate value they're providing these teams. Uh, and that's arbitration's not that, but arbitration is more than the minimum contracts. And there was some discussion about raising the minimum contract amount as well. But the proposal the players have back back in November was we want arbitration to start after two years and not three. They did not change that in 
in in Monday's proposal. Um, that not, and that obviously has not been accepted by by management, but that is the proposal. And the thing about these negotiations that we need to remember is these are kind of seen as crucial for the players. Okay, because the players are wanting to force change. The players are the ones who, not to put it in in sports terms, but they lost the last two rounds of CBA negotiation. And so as a result, the economic situation surrounding the players has been getting worse and worse. Uh, Average wage per player is down. Uh, You know, percentage of revenue generated going to the players is down. And so we're seeing... The players are the ones who need to force the change. Uh, the the owners, you know, MLB being the owners, their goal is to minimize how much money that they need to give up in this negotiation. And the thing that's different about this round than the previous two negotiations is the players have been willing to step up and actually say, this is not good enough. Like they've been insistent that they need more than what the owners are offering. The players are trying to get um, like substantial gains to player compensation, not just redistributing funds from veteran players to younger players or things like that. They're trying to get fundamental changes, but they've been pretty consistent with the ask that we are asking for this. We are asking for more money for younger players. We are asking for it to be sooner before you can start to earn more money. It's Arbitration is not market rate. It's not what you would have gotten in free agency. That's the thing that we that people always forget about that. Uh, Arbitration is based on precedence from players before you. Uh, I believe the value of one war, you know, one win above replacement uh, is about $20 million. So look at a guy like Jonathan India. Uh, Jonathan India, 2.9 war last year, rookie of the year for Cincinnati. Uh, he's not going to get $60 million in arbitration. Uh, As a free agent, he would not get $60 million a year. But the difference in a free agent contract versus the value you generate is a lot closer than the value in arbitration versus what you generate. And that's way closer than the value of a rookie deal or or, or a guy without enough service time for arbitration on a league minimum deal versus what you generate. I mean, he made $750,000 this year and he generated... $60 $60 million in value because he was in essence worth three wins. So, so that's why the players are trying to get money added to the pool, not just money moved from veterans to younger players. And the owners are being a bit, a bit, I'm not going to say dishonest, but they're, they're being a little underhanded. They're saying that they're the ones actually giving the player association what the players have said they want, but everything that MLB offers Everything that management is offering, they're small changes. And they're small changes, but they're in a package of overall reforms. And if you accept the package to get the small change, the other conditions in the reform end up working against the goal of getting more money to the players. Um, Like it has the net effect of, of limiting compensation for the players, despite the small changes that they're saying they're giving the Players Association. MLB just refuses to touch the three legs of that stool. So it's not, it's not going well. (laughs) Negotiations are not going well, but the fact that they had a meeting the end of last week, they had a meeting for when you're listening to this yesterday on Monday, they're having a meeting today on Tuesday. That is a good thing. 
Uh, and I'm not quite sure necessarily what they're going to agree on tomorrow. Uh, what they're going to, you know, what they agreed on yesterday. They're continuing to meet. I do know one thing that I'm pretty sure we can all agree on is that built bars are the protein bars that taste like a candy bar. It honestly might be better than a candy bar. Uh, they they're covered 100% real chocolate. Most built bars contain 130 calories, uh, 17 grams of protein. So here's my idea. While you're negotiating with yourself about how can I make changes in this upcoming new year, um, maybe decide to replace your candy stashes with built bars. You can so whether it's your car, your you know your pantry at home, your office, um, you know your your workplace, wherever it is, throw out your old candy bars, replace them with built bars. There's tons of flavors to choose from: coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, like really great flavors that they always have. And then Built's always coming out with limited time flavors. I was on the website today. I ordered a variety pack for my house because we're almost out. And they had a churro flavor, which I want the churro flavor. That sounds fantastic. So go to Built.com, check out and see what's new. While you're at Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. So I acknowledge that all right, I said the owners are kind of being a little dishonest and didn't really flesh that out. So let me kind of tell you some of the things where I feel like the owners are being dishonest with their statements versus what is in the package. Uh, so for instance, one of the things that the, the players have been asking for is a salary floor. And this is an anti-tanking measure. Segment three is going to be a little bit more about that. But the owners offered a... a um, a salary floor. And then they also proposed to go along with that in that same package, changing the luxury tax that would end up lowering the total amount available for free agents. So the way it works now and why the salary floor is important is there's like literally you could just have a team of, of rookie salary guys. There's nothing stopping you from doing that other than you have to find 40 rookie salary guys at the same time. That's it. That's the only thing stopping you. And you can just pocket all the extra money. The idea behind a salary floor is there's minimum spending levels. And again, that's a tanking thing. We're going to get to that in segment three. But the uh, the owners looked at, all right, you want to raise the luxury tax threshold. It's $210 million now. They proposed moving it up to $220. Um, but they combined that with increasing the penalties for exceeding the luxury tax threshold. So they proposed a 50% tax on uh, dollar for dollar on the money over the 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 cap, or not, not the cap, the luxury tax. It's not a cap. And so what that would mean is if you went $10 million over the, over the tax, you had to pay, you would have to pay $5 million in luxury tax back to MLB that is put back into the revenue sharing model. Uh, they also said to go along with that when you exceed the, ta- uh, the the luxury tax threshold, you also give up a third round pick, which we know like we this is a prospect show. You know how valuable the, these picks are, especially these higher picks. And then, like by contrast, the players asked for a luxury tax to go from two ten to two hundred and forty five million to give room for compensation to grow. If you think about it, thirty teams. So if if the tax goes up thirty million dollars. 
That's 30 million per team times 30 teams. That's how much more money is going to the pool of players. That's a substantial gain in total player compensation. And I say that knowing that teams aren't required to spend to the luxury tax. Most of them don't. The Mets are going to blow past it this year. I think Steve Cohen's hoping they change it. But, you know, so so the owner said, we'll give you that. But in reality, they changed the system so that nobody would ever exceed the tax. Whereas now you'll see teams go over the tax. They'll do it for two or three years. And then as the penalty increases, they'll finally back their spending back down under the tax for a year to reset their luxury tax penalties. And then uh, they talked about eliminating arbitration. And first it was all of it. And then it was just the Super 2 players. But the proposal from from MLB was to replace arbitration with a formula-based payment system. And I think it was going to be based off of baseball reference, maybe, like off of war or something like that. But what this would end up doing is when you make the scale, it's very easy to cap the scale to say, okay, I guarantee you, we talked about $20 million per war. They weren't going to offer $20 million. And so when you see now when guys can get big arbitration awards, they can get 12, 14, $15 million. That's something where when you have a formula, the formula they proposed would have lowered the overall amount of compensation, would have capped earnings and lowered the total amount paid to all players. So it would have brought compensation down. The players actually strangely like the arbitration system because it gives them a chance to argue their value to a third party. So, like ultimately, this is a make-or-break negotiation for the players. The, they did not get any substantive progress on financial issues in the last two. They lost the last two negotiations. And so if they fail a third time, I really worry about what's going to happen in a fourth negotiation, how far it's going to be slanted in the owner's favor if it goes to a fourth. And the thing we have to understand here, and I know that we're all frustrated about the prospect of losing losing spring training, losing some games, missing part of the season, is the owners chose to institute a lockout. They were not required to do that. They said this is a step they had to take. That is not correct. There is nothing in the CBA that said they had to lock out the players. They chose to do that as a negotiating tactic because they understand their careers owning the teams is a lot longer than the players' careers playing the game. And so they can afford to do without it. They're willing to sacrifice game broadcasts. They're willing to sacrifice ticket sales. And they're willing to even sacrifice the loyalty of a few listeners, of a, of a few viewers, a few fans of baseball to keep profits as high as possible and payrolls as low as possible. So this is something where the, the players need to make substantive gains. And the fact that they've already given in on two of those three legs of that stool worries me. And I would hope that because of that, the owners can come a little bit, give all, give on that third one length of time to arbitration, and the players can find a way to secure compensation increases for all of baseball players and not move money around from veterans to young players. But talking about those young players being new to MLB, um, Bet Online wants to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march through the NFL playoffs. Did you watch the games last weekend? Three games ended on walk-off field goals, and the fourth one was a walk-off touchdown in overtime. It's probably the best weekend of NFL football top to bottom that I've ever watched. That was fantastic. 
Um, and if you thought it was great and you really enjoyed the games, but you don't have a team that you're rooting for and you want to get invested in games, go to Bet Online. Bet Online is the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. Uh, football, yes, but basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers they have. So go to go to betonline.ag, receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use promo code locked on. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports because bet online is where the game starts. And we talked about tanking. We talked about the issue with tanking. And this is one of the big things. So, so the athletic put out a fan survey and they had thousands of responses and the top three issues in the fan survey that people like fans said were the number were the issues concerning the game of baseball. Number one was minor league pay and living conditions. Uh, very relevant to this podcast, but the minor league players are not part of the Players Association, and so therefore they are not a party to these negotiations. So that is not going to be handled in the CBA. There are some things that are happening that will improve living conditions and things like that for for minor leaguers. Stay tuned to tomorrow's show. We have a cool story about what Chicago's the Chicago Cubs are doing on that front. Uh, the number two issue was broadcast blackouts literally cannot be addressed in the CBA. That's up to the rights holders. And, you know, that's whether it's Bally Sports, whether it's uh, YES Network, um, MES, whoever it is, like that's up to MLB and the rights holders to figure out the blackouts. But the third thing was tanking. 56% of people in the fan survey said that tanking was a problem in MLB. And if you remember, it's because there's no minimum spending requirements in Major League Baseball. The NFL has a salary cap, a hard cap you cannot pass, but they also have a hard floor you cannot be under. And you never hear stories about teams not spending enough in the NFL because they all spend almost all the way to the cap. And so so the Players Association proposed some things to try to help with tanking. And one of the things they talked about was a lottery, a draft lottery. So they proposed an, an eight-team draft lottery. So the bottom eight um, teams by win-loss record at the end of the season are put into the are put into the draft lottery. And from there, and it's weighted. The worse you were, the more spots you have in the lottery. But you're not guaranteed if you have the worst record to pick first. And so the idea behind that is you have a, put it on TV, you have a thing where you go and you draw out, you know, you, you, you have the balls in the lottery machine and you draw out to see who votes in what spot, who, who drafts in what spot. And the player's proposal was an eight-team lottery. And then some of the rules they were going to have in there was they were going to say, if you're a small market team, and there's a definition of a small market team and a large market team, and in essence, it goes down to revenue sharing. Are you are you paying into revenue sharing or are you receiving money from revenue sharing? If you're receiving money, you're a small market team. If you're paying into revenue sharing, you're a large market team. And their proposal was eight-team lottery. Um, if you were a small market team, and you've been in the bottom eight the past two years, you're out of the lottery in year three. So you would pick ninth or ninth or worse. Uh, if you're a large market team and you've been in the bottom four the previous two years, because you have more financial resources, you should be able to better compete. Uh, if you've been in the bottom four the past two years, you're out of the lottery. The best you can pick is fifth. And then after the first eight lottery picks, setting the draft order by... Reverse winning percentage. So the worse you were, the better your pick is. But do the small market clubs first and then the large market clubs. 
So if you were a, a small market club that was good, the Oakland Athletics, the Tampa Bay Rays, you would not be able to pick any higher than, I think, 22nd, 24th, because above you would be large market teams who were worse than you. Um, owners, obviously, they I think the owners offered a three-team lottery, but I have a better idea. And I probably got this from somewhere. So if you if you remember reading this somewhere, uh, let me know. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Shows on Twitter at Locked On Farm. But my idea is the number one pick in the draft goes to the team with the best record that didn't make the playoffs. And then you do the reverse order from there. So the team with the worst record in the league would pick number 20 because there's 10 teams in the playoffs. And so 21 through 30 are the playoff teams. And the thought process for me here is this incentivizes competition. You don't, if you are bad, you don't get to pick number one. That's why teams tank because they get to pick number one or number two or number three. And the higher your draft pick is, the bigger your overall bonus pool is to go with that uh, draft pick and, and with your draft class. So tanking would not get you the number one pick and the draft pool that would come with it. And if you go back to 2010, and you look at the number one overall pick. I think it, uh, it was 2010 through 2018 because I wanted to give time for the guys to actually get to MLB. 2010 to 2018, the number one overall pick earned 100 extra war over that eight years compared to the number 20 pick. So this actually does matter. And so the thought process is that final weekend of the season, you have teams that are either pitching all of their studs trying to make the playoffs or they're pitching their guys because they're trying to, to have the best record of the teams that don't make it so they can pick first or second. I think last I think if we looked at last year's um, or at this most recent season's records, the Blue Jays would pick first overall because they had the best winning record of teams that didn't make the playoffs. Uh, the Oriole, uh, the, um, the Orioles and Pirates, I think would be picking like, like 18th and 19th or something like that, 19th and 20th, something like that. And so the thought process here is, is you incentivize competition. You, you get team, like there's nothing worse than going to a baseball game, like the last week into the season. And one team, you know, was pitching. I did this one year, my sister and I, my sister, my sister lived in Houston and we went to an Astros game the last week into the season and Verlander's pitching for the Astros. And I'm trying to remember who they who they were playing. I want to say they were playing like the Pirates. And the Pirates had like a double A pitcher who they had called up with their September call-ups. And he's and it like it wasn't, I still enjoyed the game. It's a wonderful park they have there in Houston. It was, it was fun. We had great seats, but it was something where we didn't get any sort of pitching duel because we had Justin Verlander on a team trying to get uh, the right seed in the playoffs versus a player who a month ago was pitching in front of. 1500 people at a double a part for the pirates uh again nothing about the pirates go listen to locked on pirates great show i was on there a week and a half ago ethan's a fantastic guy but it's something where if you put this plan in place you would see more teams competing that final weekend and you wouldn't see as many teams selling off assets at that at the trade deadline you wouldn't see the nationals go and trade away scherzer and turner and all of these like great players you wouldn't see the cubs give up a Rizzo, you know, and, and, and a Chris Bryan and give up all of these pieces, a Javi Baez, you would see them keep these guys because if they can keep winning through the rest of the season, they can get a decent draft pick. And then they can always trade them in the off season or get 
uh, the pick after the qualifying offer goes through. So if there's something I haven't thought about why this plan wouldn't work, please reach out to the show. Let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Farm. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please like, subscribe to the show. I'd love you to tell your friends about it. We're kind of new to YouTube and still getting the hang of it. Um, but stick around because tomorrow we're going to talk more about the living conditions for the minor leaguers, some of those changes that are making that they're making, uh, and and some of the improvements that's coming along with that. This has been locked on MLB prospects. Uh-huh.